The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Let's start out with prayers and good wishes to pet-owning folks on the East Coast who were affected by Hurricane Dorian. Just so you know, we are thinking of you. And I just want to remind you, we do something a little different here at the Pet Buzz. As you listen to the show, we have relevant content on our social media channels that drop during the course of the hour-long uh, the program. So follow along as you listen to this show on the Pet Buzz on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you'll get some tidbits about Dr. Fleck and myself and, and things that are going on with our guests and in the background. Okay, so today we're going to talk with dog trainer and author Babette Haggerty. In segment four, she's going to give us some ideas on how we can lift doggy depression that comes with kids going back to school. Sounds interesting, right? But that's later on in the show, so you're going to have to wait a little bit for that. And in segment three, we're visiting with Paul Williams about the most exclusive canine club in Washington, D.C., but you'll never believe where it's located. And don't you love when people go out of their way to help dogs in need? Well, we've got a story about an abandoned dog in West Virginia who's getting a second chance at life. That's all in our global news block in segment three once again. Our celebrity news is about Jason Aldean, Heidi Klum, and Justin Bieber. These superstars got new pets, and we're going to tell you what kind of pets who are joining their families. Also in segment two, we're talking about health certificates in Flex Facts. Dr. Fleck is going to tell you what you need to know about domestic and international certificates. And this is especially relevant if you're traveling over the holidays. You want to plan now. And... In September, International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management, that's IVAPM, a multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting, enhancing, and advancing pain management in animals, is sponsoring the 5th Annual Animal Pain Awareness Month, scheduled to coincide with Human Medicine's Pain Awareness Month. Its theme is because their pain is our pain. Joining us today is veterinarian Dr. Jennifer Johnson. She is the president-elect of the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management. Dr. Johnson, thank you for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. Thanks so much. So how does animal pain, and I get this question all the time, differ from human pain? Well, I love this because it really doesn't differ. I think um, the biggest difference is that it's our pet owner, our ability as a human to distinguish when an animal is in pain is the hard thing, right? Um, we can tend to consider that animals um, are in the same category as those nonverbal humans, so like babies who can't tell us things, and or the very old that have lost their way to communicate to something maybe hurting. And, and trying to determine uh, where or if an animal is in pain is a great focus of, of pain management research because we have to recognize that that it's important if we feel pain um, we're we're going to not live as long and healthy in life so it really isn't a joke they say that pain kills but it's so important to be able to realize that it's there great answer 
It certainly is. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's something that we always have to deal with. And you always, when you pick up your dog, if he whimpers, you wonder if he's in pain, you know? So what are some of the causes of pain in animals, Dr. Jen? Well, uh, well think about what the things that cause pain in us. Um, acute pain, you know, is like you touch the stove. It's usually the, the body's defense mechanism. So that's a good thing, right? If you burn your arm on the stove, the pain reaction is designed to tell your brain to avoid further suffering and more damage. And we do lots of things like ice and medications to alleviate the pain as quickly as possible. But what we're concerned mostly about is chronic pain. You know, so the number one cause of chronic pain in animals, and, and I believe humans, is pain due to osteoarthritis or inflammation of the bones and the joints. You know, some other common causes of chronic pain in both animals and us are cancer pain or even pain to nerves nerve injuries, which we commonly call neuropathic pain. We can't forget, though, that if we don't adequately control that acute pain thing, so even surgical pain, in a timely and really effective manner, those acute pain situations um, can lead to chronic pain as well. So that's another big thing that we have to remember about the dilemma of pain and why it's so important to be really proactive about identifying it and treating it. How right that is. So if you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian Dr. Jennifer Johnson, the president-elect of the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management. She's discussing managing pain in our animals. So what are the signs and symptoms of pain? Well, they, they can be really subtle. I think it's, everybody knows that it's a survival instinct for animals um, pets or not, to really want to hide pain. You know, if, if an animal's in pain, somebody could eat them for dinner, right? So we need to remember the changes in behavior or movement aren't just signs that your dog is getting old. And so really, really um, focusing on changes like that they may guard a body part or move differently, slower to get up and down or actually not want you to touch a particular area that might be bothering them. Of course, you know, if they're limping, it's really obvious, but sometimes changes in muscle mass, like that that one leg might be skinnier than the other, or losing muscle along the back, that can indicate uh, when a joint hurts. Uh, people, People remember or think that if they get up and running around the yard that they're okay, but that's not necessarily true at all. Um, they, they also might stop taking good care of themselves. So if their coats are matted or dull, um, and, and facial expressions, people think that that um, you can't tell if an animal's in pain, they're not going to squint. But actually, they've developed um, grimace scales for animals, uh, laboratory animals, horses, dogs, cats, um, kind of similar to those smiley face charts that you see in the doctor's office. They're actually published grimace scales, so the set of the ears or the whiskers or the facial expression can sometimes be really helpful. So interesting. I mean, I'm glad we actually talked about this subject because I think a lot of people, especially coming into your practice, you know, they're so worried and they just have to grasp that pain in people and pain in animals is similar and that the best way to treat it so that they're, I guess, well-informed yeah. and educated. Exactly. I think that um, there's some some really great references for pet owners. The IVAPN, the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management, has a lot of references for pet owners on the website. 
North Carolina State University, the School of Veterinary Medicine, they have a website called painfreecats.org, which really talks because cat pain is even harder for people to realize than dog pain. And we think that um, at least one out of four cats suffer from osteoarthritis pain, just like dogs do. So that's a pretty high percentage of the population. By the time that a cat is 14 years old, it's maybe up to 80% of cats suffer from some some kind of chronic osteoarthritis pain, and it's being missed all the time. So that painfreecats.org has this pain index scale that cat owners can fill out and then share with your vet. It's important to share these things. Your veterinarian will will use other tools besides the pain assessment. They may employ tools like measuring the muscle mass of the legs, looking at gait, measuring the angles of joints, and really doing good palpation. Also, a lot of them are using thermal imaging cameras to help identify areas that may be painful because of increased or decreased or asymmetry between one joint and another may indicate that this might be an area of concern as well. Such great information. We're going to have to have you come back. Will you come back? Absolutely. Great. Come back with that new technology. I'm intrigued. I know you are. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're very welcome. It was great. I'm really excited to anytime talk about animals for sure. Well, that was uh, Dr. Jennifer Johnson, president-elect of the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management, helping us to understand pain in our animals. You can learn more at IVAPM.org. Well, up next, learn what celebrities just got some new pets. I can't wait to share the Celebrity 411 with you. And, of course, then there's Flex Facts. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. My name is Mike Ruiz, and I was born and raised in Montreal, Canada, and now I live in New Jersey. The thing that made me fall in love with Oliver was the very first time I met him, he was being fostered by a friend of mine whom I was visiting. I opened the door to my friend's house, and Oliver came running up to me, sat at my feet, and looked up at me with the most beautiful, big, brown, soulful eyes. And within 24 hours, I had filled out all the paperwork, and Oliver was my son. I've experienced a lot of discrimination with Oliver. We would walk down the street, and people would literally cross the street. You know, when they would see us coming, you know, they saw like a menacing pit bull type dog. It just found it so baffling because Oliver was the sweetest, gentlest creature that I've ever met in my entire life. Sadly, I lost Oliver in August of 2018. I wanted to commemorate him in a way that was very meaningful. So I got this tattoo of him. It's just such an amazing thing. Knowing that I carry him in my heart, I now carry him on my arm. My name is Mike Ruiz, and Oliver and I are individuals. should you bathe your pet? Well, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and I'm asked that question often. How often you should wash your dog depends on a number of factors, including his health, breed, coat, and activity level, as well as where these activities are taking place. Dogs who spend days outside rolling and things are going to need a bath far more often than the ones who spend most of their time on the couch. Or you can always take the smell test. If your dog walks into the room and you can smell them, it's time for a bath. Make sure when it's time for a bath, you gather up all the supplies, including a non-slip mat and plenty of towels. Use shampoo formulated for dogs and turn your cell phone off to avoid distraction. And if you have a dog that hates getting a bath, smear some peanut butter on the bathtub wall and let him lick it off while you bathe him. Then he'll know 
bathing can really be a treat. joining us on the Pet Buzz. This show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And it's time for the celebrity pet dish. You know, Katy Perry made one important member of her life the star of her new small talk music video. Her dog Nugget, a teacup poodle, has a leading role in the new clip. In the video, Perry and Nugget are wearing matching outfits as she sings to her adorable pooch. She then takes the pooch to the, get this, the Mutt Ball show, where dogs and their owners are strutting their stuff for the judges. And while Nugget gets a 10 across the board from the judges, and Perry, of course, gets a big trophy, another human competitor catches the eye of the singer instantaneously creating a jealous nugget. Well, as Perry falls in love with her new man, Nugget is left home alone until she connects with Perry's black Labrador. We can only assume the two couples live happily ever after. Well, Nugget has been a core part of Perry's life for several years now, and this is not her first starring role. In 2017, the pup starred in Perry's ad for City's Double Cash Card. We'll see if she has an upcoming role in Perry's wedding to actor Orlando Bloom. Well, it also seems on National Dog Day, a few celebrities joined the pack and posted pics of their new dogs. Heidi Klum added more than a husband to her household lately. The supermodel just got married to Tom Collins, who joined Klum's family, daughter Lou, who's 10, Lenny, 15, and sons Jonathan, 12, and Henry, 14. But I guess the family still was not complete until they got a dog. The dog's name is Anton. Anton seems to be an Irish wolfhound, a big dog for a big family. And Jason Aldean will never forget that he'll always be tied to the Las Vegas massacre since he was playing when the shooter launched his attack from windows at Mandalay Bay. But the good news is that while in St. Louis for a recent weekend trip, the country star and his wife of four years adopted a rescue pup from the stray rescue of St. Louis. Aldine's wife, Brittany, announced the exciting news on Instagram, sharing that the unnamed pup and his brothers and sisters were all found in a drain pipe on an extremely hot day in St. Louis. She said, y'all, we have a new baby boy. She also shared that there were seven puppy siblings who are also looking for new homes. And then for the cat scoop, the Bieber and his babe, that's Hallie Baldwin, just got a cat named Sushi. Remember, they just got a Yorkie. I think the dog's name is Oscar a few months ago. And always more Celebrity Scoop just next week. And now, what you've been waiting for. Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Or fiction. Just the facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! It's gonna take long. You got the time. Dr. Flack, what's the discussion topic for the week? This week we're talking about health certificates, especially when traveling. Great topic. I know in your practice you've been talking about that lady. A lot of people have been coming in, right, wanting health certificates. Absolutely. It's been driving you crazy, It's been I driving think. us absolutely crazy. Okay, so why is it important to make sure that animals are healthy before traveling? Well, for except for the obvious reason of just being healthy, You want to ensure that traveling animals are healthy 
as a key part of minimizing the spread of infectious disease. Okay, I can see that because if you remember when we had Patty Strand on the show, she talked about transporting sick dogs from various countries that um, that Americans and other people, Canadians, were adopting. Okay. So this is accomplished by government regulatory agencies and the USDA-accredited veterinarians. Like yourself. Who function as disease surveillance ambassadors and help keep you and your pet safe by examining animals for import-export and endorsing health certificates. I never thought of you as an ambassador. I know. I know. I know. Okay, so then what's a health certificate? Okay. A health certificate, by definition, is a federal document generated by a federally accredited veterinarian. Okay. This certificate ensures that a pet has met certain health criteria. There are two general types of health certificates for pets. Okay. Where domestic, are they? domestic, okay. that's right. the easy one. And interstate, which is an interstate travel. Okay. Uh, and international, which speaks for itself. Right. Between nations. Okay. Both types have stringent rules. Veterinarians cannot bend, as people ask us all the time, to bend the rules. We can't do that. And that means, like, for example, bend the rules is like dates thing. Because I know when you travel, you only have like a certain day window. Absolutely. Like you have to have the health certificate within seven to ten days of travel. And that's both ways. Everybody's busy that last seven to ten days before travel, but you better include the veterinarian in that time the, frame. Right. And the veterinarian can't play around with the dates, for example. Not at all. Okay. So talk about some of the requirements for pet traveling. Okay. Some common requirements for pets traveling to other states include a current rabies vaccination. Okay. That makes total sense because that's the law. Testing negative for heartworms are currently on a heartworm preventative program. I never knew that. I didn't either. Okay. We just learned that now, didn't we? Yeah. Well, okay. we did the research. Okay. Okay. The requirements vary from state to state, of course, though, if we're talking about domestic. Okay. Domestic health certificates must be written the same day the veterinarian completes a thorough physical exam. Like a lot of times people want to come in, do I have to pay for a physical exam? Or just tears? Yes. Right. Okay. Because we just talked about that with the dating thing and the yep. backdating. Can't be, okay. date, can't be backdated. Okay. So you should check with your airlines and the state you are driving through to see if you require one. Did you hear what I said? Even driving through. I know. And that's really funny because I didn't realize if you're driving from state to state, you really need a health certificate. Let's say you're stopped, you're in an accident or something. An officer can ask you if you have a health certificate. I mean, we're being extreme now. Extreme. I mean, and you but know, it's the law. But it's the law. I mean, it's, it's law. interesting. To, that's really interesting to know. So, if you're planning on driving to Granny's, then maybe in Michigan, maybe you need a health certificate. Okay. Mm. So, anything else? Yes. Okay. It is important to note that when you buy a puppy, you buy a health certificate to go with her. Okay. Like any literal-minded consumer, you assume a certificate. With this title means she's been examined by a veterinarian and has received a stamp of approval in the health department. It's important to note that when you buy a puppy, you check with your state's UCC, Absolutely. and that's Uniform Commercial Code. They, The Uniform Commercial Code in each state governs sales laws. So it ensures that you and your seller are complying with the law. And one of the implied items when you buy a puppy is that you're buying a puppy 
that is deemed to be healthy. Deemed to be healthy and generally vaccinated by a veterinarian, not by somebody from a feedlot store vaccine. Or been examined by a veterinarian. So these are things that are really, 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 really really important. important. And that's one of the reasons, if you can recall, Dr. Fleck, when we did the show, probably three or four months ago, when we talked about buying a dog online, this is one of the reasons you don't buy a dog online, because you don't know what state governs the purchase of the dog, so you don't know which code governs the state. It's really, really complicated, but all you need to know is you need a health certificate if you're planning on traveling domestic or international. I'm exhausted. That's Flex Facts for the week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, more of the Pet Buzz very soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Like You of the Week. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And now for my I Likey of the Week. It's genius. It's to die for. I like it. Well, you know, Grumpy Cat, a.k.a. Tartar Sauce, was one memorable Unhappy-looking feline. Although she had recently passed away, her memory lives on thanks to the Grumpy Cat collection by Pet Rageous Designs. Feline fans can choose between feeding bowls and mats, scratchers, and even Grumpy Cat apparel. There's also a large mug to help you cope with the challenges of your everyday life. Check out Pet Rageous Designs for a retailer near you. The Congressional Cemetery, officially Washington Parish Burial Ground, is a historic and active cemetery located at 1801 East Street, southeast in Washington, D.C., on the west bank of the Anacostia River. It's the only American cemetery of national memory founded before the Civil War. But now it's gone to the dogs. (laughs) Our next guest will explain. Joining us today is Paul Williams, the president of the Congressional Cemetery. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad you're here. So, Paul, how is it that the Congressional Cemetery has gone to the dogs? Well, it is kind of an interesting story. Uh, Despite our age uh, being established in 1807, 
uh, in the 1970s, 80s, and even in the 1990s, the cemetery was abandoned. Christ Church that owns it couldn't afford to mow the grass or keep it up. So in came a lot of prostitutes and drug dealers and the like. Uh, so it was a pretty rough place. Uh, but we're still an active cemetery. So a group of local dog walkers on the hill here self-taxed themselves to be able to mow the yard for funerals. And that was 1989. That's how it started. Wow. I mean, you have to understand, everyone, this is a 35-acre cemetery. Good size. It's a huge size. And you have all, I mean, you might not know who everyone is when you walk through, but eighteen, a lot of 1800s, 1867s. I mean, it's just a, a wonderful place, beautiful headstones. It's really a nice place to walk through, especially if you've gone in New Orleans or you've gone, you know, and seen this and gone on the cemetery tours mm-hmm. or if you've been able mm-hmm. to go to France and see La Perche Cemetery. So it's just this historic plot of land but not when the conditions are poor no not when the conditions are poor okay (laughs) so is it true that the congressional cemetery is the most exclusive club for dogs in town you know it is it has grown from that little humble beginnings in 1989 to uh, now a well-restored cemetery very bucolic with flowering trees and we have captured about 800 dogs as members and the magical thing about that is the dogs can run off leash throughout the 35 acres. It's really quite interesting. We charge them through the nose now. That humble beginning is now about $350 per dog. So if you put it together, believe it or not, this dog walking program membership brings in about $250,000 in cash every January. It's just a magical number for a nonprofit because that cash has no restrictions on it. So we can put it right towards restoration and preservation of the grounds. And the program is so popular, believe it or not, we have a wait list. We have about 400 people that are dying to get in, be registered, <laughs> and they pay a fee to be on the wait list, and it usually takes three or four years to get to become a member. I joined. Oh, you did? Yeah. You're still alive. <laughs> I know, but I joined for the dog, you know, but I, what, wait, what happens if the dog dies? We actually have a lot of, quite a few memberships uh, that's so beloved that uh, they don't have a dog. They might be in between dogs. But they continue their membership because they think they'll get a dog, you know, a year or two or a different job comes along. So we have uh, quite a few members that don't even have a dog. It's so uh, popular. Okay. And then, so I'm just curious, how did it go from Christ Church owning it? I mean, did they abandon it? Are you your own nonprofit now? Does the federal government pick up the tab? It is still owned by Christ Church. And in its dark days in 1976, a nonprofit was formed. So we have a long-term lease to manage every aspect of the cemetery, from funerals to maintenance to preservation, uh, all run through the nonprofit. Now, is that a do- the Dog Walker nonprofit or another group? Uh, it is part of the nonprofit. The Dog Walking membership is so revered here that um, they have a, their own committee to kind of help guide the rules and, and set registrations. And the head of that committee actually serves on the board of the cemetery. Oh, interesting. So I'm curious. So now you have this dog walking exclusive club in Washington, D.C. You know, what do they say if you need a friend find to get a dog in Washington or something? I guess Johnson said that. So I'm curious, what was the reaction of other cemetery directors about turning this cemetery into kind of a pseudo dog park? Initially, there was lots of uh, hesitation. They thought we were crazy. They didn't know what we were doing, that... <laughs> You know, we get a lot of pushback from the public for dogs doing their business on graves and peeing on headstones. But I've kind of been giving lectures all over the country to other cemeteries and conventions. 
And I kind of do the pros and the cons. And they quickly realize, even beyond the financials, of what that can bring in every year, their eyes usually get very big. But it's really so many more positive aspects of it. Their dog walkers are really our built-in security. Uh, we don't have all the drinking and the, the vandalism that a lot of other cemeteries have. We also require eight hours of volunteer time from each member. So we have all of our events staffed with ticket takers and, and people cleaning and, and polishing stones that are members of the dog community. So once you kind of start talking through all the positives, the other cemeteries are now kind of adopting um, programs of their own. Now, you can even opt out. That's what I, a, a gal told me. She opted out of the maintenance. Can you do that? But you have yeah. to pay a fee. Yep, yep, yep. If, um, we kind of structured it that if you didn't want to volunteer for eight hours, some people, it's just not their thing, uh, you can basically buy yourself out of that. <laughs> just uh, give us another $100 and you won't have to volunteer. You know, it sounds like this that this cemetery is more well-kept than most cemeteries that we see. I think so. Yeah, we've kind of um, been doing this for, you know, almost 25 years now. So uh, over time, we've been able to amass a pretty large endowment, uh, millions of dollars. And um, we have kind of a maintenance and restoration plan that we're kind of implementing uh, as we go along. So she's looking really good these days. Yeah, she is. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Paul Williams, the president of the Congressional Cemetery. So there are rules and regulations once you're in. So talk a little bit about those. We do, and those are constantly evolving. You know, it's kind of a difficult aspect when you've got 800 dogs all together running off-leash. Not that they're here at all at the same time, but we do have a doggy rush hour after work. So, obviously, the owners have to pick up after their dogs. In fact, they have to pick up any dog waste that they see, whether it's their own or some other owner that kind of missed it. There's no ball throwing because we don't want those to damage some of our older headstones. And then we're also still an active cemetery, so we're pretty rigid about... Uh, being closed to dogs during funerals and some of our private events. And the funeral violation will actually get you kicked out of the membership program. I probably, unfortunately, have to kick out one or two people every year because they didn't pay attention to their warnings and their texts and the signs, and they're in the cemetery during a funeral. Sounds like any group. So does the Canine Corps have uh, community or special events throughout the year? Uh, We do. About every two or three weeks during the spring, summer, and fall, we throw a little yappy hour, we call it. where you can bring your dog, bring a bottle of wine or a six-pack of beer and kind of meet other members in a informal setting, you know, with um, some snacks. Uh, we kind of do it in different parts of the cemetery, like they used to do in Victorian times. They used to picnic in cemeteries. And then once a year in May, we do a full day on of the dog festival, believe it or not. It's really a lot of fun. There's obstacle courses. There's bobbing for hot dogs. There's pet adoption agencies. Everything dog-related. It's just a, a really fun day. Uh, for members, and then for the general public to come in and enjoy the space themselves. It's a good time. I'm telling you, it was my favorite thing that I did while I was there. How many were there the day you were there? Well, there was uh, one member who'd been around for a while. Uh-huh. She was very informative. I did a Facebook Live with her. And then there was one potential member. He was on the waiting list. And then there was Ty and myself. Okay. The gal had two dogs, and he had a whippet who ran really fast. The other dogs were kind of, you know, older, so it was hard to keep up with a whippet. And then they even have a soon-to-be-coming pet cemetery. It will kind of be a place that you can bury and memorialize the cremated remains of any of your pets. Okay, well, I'll let you go. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you. Ciao. All right, thank you much. Bye. Well, that was Paul Williams, president of the Congressional Cemetery, to learn more about 
this Congressional Cemetery and the Canine Corps, visit congressionalcemetery.org. Well, is your pet depressed now that summer is over? Have you noticed a change in his or her behavior since the kids went back to school or you went back to work? Our next guest is going to give you some pointers about how to deal with the back-to-school blues. Hey, my name is Rory Diamond. I am the CEO of Canines for Warriors. We are the nation's largest provider of service dogs for disabled American veterans. And we are asking everyone to support Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Persons Act, House Bill 3130. Absolutely critical to do this. It will require the VA to help organizations like Canines for Warriors serve our disabled veterans with incredible life-saving service dogs and to recover from post-traumatic stress. Please contact a member of Congress to support Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Persons Act, House Bill 3130. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, we're urban, suburban, and and country. And now for the global pet news. And now, pet buzz news from around the globe. A video posted to Facebook showed the heartbreaking moment a dog was dropped off in a neighborhood in Milton, West Virginia, and chased after the vehicle as it drove off. Bob Edmonds had the opportunity. He was a near bystander. He shot the video on Sunday and post that was last Sunday and posted it to Facebook only to have it watched. Get this, Dr. Fleck, a hundred thousand times. Oh, my goodness. So imagine someone dropping off the dog in the minivan or a SUV and the dog chasing it for blocks and he followed it and he chased it. Okay. So I'm going to share on our social media channels the video, but. Edmund said he just didn't understand how anyone could do that. He told that to a reporter at his local NBC station in Huntington, West Virginia. And it's funny, a dog lover in the area, her name is Stephanie Ellswick. She's an animal rescue volunteer. She saw the video and decided to take action. She went out and tracked the dog down based on the video. She noted that it was really like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but she got lucky. Hmm. She found the dog. She spotted the dog tied up in a yard in that neighborhood where the neighbor person or the person dropped off the dog. So the couple who found the dog tied it up by the side of the road to keep it safe and hope someone would spot him. So Ellswick decided, I know, isn't that crazy? They just tied it up to a mailbox. Uh And you know how close those mailboxes are to the Uh side of the road. I guess they didn't want the dog. But anyway, at least they tied it up and hoped someone would see it. She said that this dog deserves better and that she was wanted to give it a second chance. So according to the local NBC station, she said that she was going to do whatever she had to do. So she took the dog to animal control. And believe it or not, there are a bunch of people in the community who are really interested in adopting him. That's wonderful. I know. I mean, it's such good luck for that dog. And I love these stories where dog lovers in a community, they really get involved. And I really want to thank Stephanie Ellswick. We appreciate what you did. She's a heroine. And she's an example to other people in communities. Absolutely. Okay, so more with the show. 
The summer months often mean family members spend more time at home and our pets get to enjoy more of the day socializing with humans that they love. But once school starts up again, calendars fill up with after-school activities and other commitments, and the house that was once filled with human companions can now become quite empty. So your beloved pooch can become depressed, suffering from his own version of the back-to-school blues. So joining us today to talk about Fido's back-to-school blues is one of our favorite dog trainers and author, Babette Haggerty. Welcome back, Babette. Hey, Charlotte. Great to be here. Thank you so much. We're so glad to have you. You know, we told our listeners that you were coming. So to help us alleviate some of this Fido's depression with the family, with the kids going back to school, and I know you know exactly what this is like because you have kids who have just gone back to school, right? Yes, I have. And, of course, our listeners decided to write in, and they have some questions for you. So let's start with our first question. Our first question was a tweet from Guy from Alabama. He writes that his kids have only been back to school in a very short period of time, and he notices that his dog, Ranger, seems depressed. He wants to know what he and his wife can do to make Ranger happy again. I love owners like this guy in Alabama because he cares about how his dog is feeling. And, of course, you know, the dog is probably getting less activity now that the kids have gone back to school. So it's advantageous if he's home during the day or if his wife is home during the day, maybe take him for an extra walk or go with a uh, ranger, take him to the bus stop to pick up the kids. Oh, great so idea. That he's getting more exercise or getting you know more exercise than he is now. Um, even take him out, you know, at lunchtime, even if it's just a short walk or teach him some new tricks. So that when the kids come home, Ranger's already learned a few tricks, and he can show the kids how to teach the dog the tricks. Now, did everyone hear that? Because you know, guys, Babette is an author of a tr- one of the books that you did is a trick training book, right, Babette? Yes. So what's the name of that book? Tricks on the Planet. Okay, great. Okay, so, and who published it? That book was published by Page Street Publishing. And it can be found on Amazon, right? Amazon, everybody has it. Okay, everybody has it. Well, I would think the other thing that you could also do is hire a dog walker, correct? Absolutely. Dog walkers can be very helpful at this time of year. Really, any time of year, dog walkers are helpful. Give that dog the extra exercise, the extra attention, etc. Okay, great. Okay, so Diane from New York City emailed us, and she knows that you probably live in New York City. Well, we live in a very tech-oriented world, she writes. What do you think about our family getting a treat camera? This way the kids, as well as myself, can call in and check on Bentley, her cavalier, during the day and give him a treat. Or maybe, she says, maybe we should even get a robot dog companion. Your thoughts, Babette? I love the name Bentley. Cavaliers are such great dogs. You know, a treat camera sounds great. The downside is it can teach a dog to start jumping up on whatever, you know, counter space that the treat camera is. The other thing is, think of it this way, you know, parents never called me at school and threw me a treat to check on me. I think (laughs) owners buy products like this, you know, because they feel guilty, but I'll tell you what, I love it when I'm home alone, and so does your dog. They enjoy the peace and quiet. They enjoy the, the ability to take a nap and nobody's bothering them, and let's face it, we really don't want to start giving our dogs you know, a treat every time that they demand it, just like we wouldn't give our kids Oreo double stuffed cookies every hour that they demanded it. I know I'd be as big as a house, and the dog's going to get big, too, if you start feeding him constantly like that with a treat. Okay, great answer. So you don't necessarily have to rely on those tech treat cams. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we're talking with dog trainer and author Babette Haggerty about how the kids going back to school can affect 
respect the family dog. So here's a question from Matthew from Cleveland. He posed his question on Facebook. So he wrote, what about dog training classes? The holidays are coming up and my wire fox terrier, get this, her name is Maxine, could use a brush up on her good behavior. And what should I do when choosing a class? Oh, Matthew, I, I love this question. This is such a thoughtful and intelligent and responsible dog owner. Anticipating the problems and being proactive before there's an issue. As you know, our hair fox terriers are very active dogs. They need to be kept busy. It sounds like he's already been through some obedience training, perhaps taking Maxine to an agility class or to a trick class. Trick classes are great, especially this time of year, because tricks are a great way to give your dog mental and physical stimulation in the winter months, especially those of us who live in Cleveland when it's cold and wintry and snowy and we can't get out with our dog that much. Um, looking for a dog training class, go to the International Association of Canine Professionals. They have a great dog trainer's directory there. Um, ask for recommendations. And the most important question when you're calling around dog trainers is not how much the course is, but what will my dog learn in the class? Because there are courses and then there are courses. And you want one that's going to give you the most training for your money and get your dog to the highest level possible. And also you want to use um, a trainer who uses positive reinforcement, correct? Absolutely. Positive reinforcement and balanced training too. You know, you want to be able to correct problem behaviors as well. Always great information from Babette Haggerty. You know, Babette and I go way back. And actually, before you guys, we got online, I was talking about Babette's dad because he was such an impressive figure in the dog training world. Captain Haggerty started out in the Army training dogs, and he taught his daughter almost everything she knows, wouldn't you say? He, he did. Uh, there were a few people who taught me a few things um, in addition that supplemented him. But, yeah, he, he uh, yeah. He taught me everything, just about everything I know. Well, that's great. Well, once again, everyone, that was Babette Haggerty, dog trainer and New York Times best-selling author. Get any one of her books. You're going to enjoy them. She is the mother of two and the dog mother of so many. Even to this day, she's an example for me to follow. When I think of her often, I also think of her dad. So I encourage you, visit her at HaggertyDog.com. Party people! That's the sign. It's too soon to go, but we got to wrap the show. But before we go, I want to give you a preview of next week's show. Next week, we're talking about dogs who have suffered from Hurricane Dorian, pets in tailgating, and dogs in politics. And, of course, we'll probably have a few added surprises. And, Dr. Fleck, can you please thank our guest who joined us today? Sure. Special thanks to our guests, Dr. Jennifer Johnson, Paul Williams, and Babette Haggerty. And we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. If you have a question, write us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll cover it on our next week's show. And if you missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. But most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. 
The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. <laughs> 